Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels, not in distress. Host came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hi. How you doing? Good. How was your anniversary? It was good. Thank you for asking. Um, it's been a ginormous snowstorm here. Um, the snow is crazy, but it's been really beautiful and uh, just relaxing. So you had a good idea for our intro today based on our guest. Exactly. And some of the things that we'll be talking about. So Chloe, if you want to get us going, um, because I think I started last one, maybe I don't know. Um, But what is one of the most difficult conversations that you've had to have? Um, Yeah. And I feel like, well, I want to explain to this somewhat relates to our guest because she's had to have some difficult conversations in her life about her identity and her gender identity with her family and things like that. So that's a little bit of the context behind why we're doing this. And okay, yeah, I was trying to think. Um, it's always hard to pinpoint your most difficult conversation. Um, so I don't know that this was my most difficult, but I will say it was like probably the most difficult person to deal with. So. After um, I broke up with my ex in DC, it kind of took me a while to find someone else who I kind of like felt was like a good match for me. And then I started seeing this guy and we were getting along really well. And I felt like there was a really good chemistry between us. And we went on a trip to Florida together. He was in the military, which should have been my first red flag. But we went on a trip to Florida together and all these things. And I don't know, like over the course of our relationship, obviously the conversation came up of like, what are we? And he was like very adamant about he had just moved to DC and he didn't want to settle down and all that good stuff. Um, But it kind of came to a point where I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to have sex with you anymore. If you're like just seeing all these girls, like that doesn't feel safe to me and it doesn't feel good. Right. And it was almost kind of like, I don't know, like he was definitely acting like I was like threatening him and like blackmailing him into like deleting his dating apps, which I saw on the trip to Florida. He obviously had not deleted. So I remember like seeing the Tinder notification pop up on our trip and I texted my best friend, my text in Nassim, and I was like, what, like, what do I do? And she was like, well, you can just blow up the whole trip or you can just do the trip and like cut him off afterwards. Um, so that's what I did. And I had that conversation with him of like, we were just not on the same page and it wasn't good for me. And as good as it felt being with him and as much as I liked him that I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I think what was difficult about him is a lot of my exes are like 
people I've talked to that I cut it off with just like leave me alone after that but he didn't yeah I feel like he still like is like the classic fuck boy of keeps trying to like appear back into my life and like you know and that was like always really hard for me because I was like is this him coming back but it never really was and I would say that's it's just like I don't know if that was the most difficult conversation I've had to have, but like in terms of like dynamic and us being off, it was definitely like the most chaotic, difficult person Mm -hmm. I've had to Mm -hmm. deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge like in us talking about this, we both know that we are white girls and heterosexual and female identifying. And we do understand like our privilege that these are the kinds of conversations that have been so difficult for us and that there are many much more difficult conversations um, to be had by lots of other people. Yes. I think for me, the most difficult, and I kind of want to merge these two because I think sometimes um as humans, we have a lot of like similar patterns in both our relationships and that even mirror like in into our careers. And for me, um, like the way I was approaching relationships was definitely very similar to the way that I approached career Um, in terms that I, in my relationship before I met Brian, um, it was like, how do I describe it? Very um, like possessive kind of, And we just like didn't have um, the same amount of things going on in our lives. And I felt like I couldn't be independent in the relationship and be like my own human being and not an entity. Um, And there were like some toxic behaviors around that. And then also like with a previous agent that I had um, saying um, some things that were very offensive to me and also like were some toxic behaviors. I am just not the best at like saying goodbye to things, even when I'm not being like treated fairly or just enjoying the relationship in general. So these were two of the most difficult conversations that I had to have because they were putting endings on things and um, endings are just tough for me. Like I, it doesn't matter always like how poor the relationship has been it's just still hard for me to like walk away and I do the like what ifs like what if this is a huge mistake like what if why like why is this a good idea blah 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 and I think that it is just important for us to like acknowledge when we are repeating behaviors um and for me like I always have to be wary about when I'm not saying goodbye to something because I'm afraid of hurting somebody's feelings um and yeah I think that like that type of conversation and um, just like an unwillingness to say goodbye is the most difficult conversation for me. Yeah. And you always bring up a good point that you feel like you don't like confrontation. And I feel like yeah. I don't either. And that's kind of like a common theme amongst females. Yeah. Um, because you were saying to me the other day when we were talking about my personal stuff that I need to like stand up for myself. And I don't know, sometimes I avoid those conversations because I don't want to make the other person feel weird. And I'm, I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm like scared of their reaction too. So I don't know. I guess it's just some advice for the listeners out there is 100%. to just rip off the band-aid because I don't know. It's like, I feel like for me, it's worse kind of keeping it in and that'll eat away, eat away at you more than just like confronting the situation. Absolutely. And I think that what I did learn from both of those situations is once you rip off the band-aid, it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, um, all of the responses I got to it were totally fine. And they're not something that I think about on a day to day anymore. And I think that's honestly like the attitude that 
you know, you need to remember when we're going into situations like this, that the um, thoughts about it before are just thoughts. They're not like what's actually happening. And you need to like regard them as just thoughts because the aftermath will never be as bad as the thoughts that you're having before doing it. So our guest today um, has had to have her fair share of difficult conversations. Let's go talk to Sarah. All right. We're so excited to welcome my friend Sarah Akami to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Sarah is a screenwriter and comedian. We met via a Zoom comedy class that would originally be in LA, but it was on Zoom for all intents and purposes. And that was, was really, Leslie Kahn? No, but it was another Leslie. It was Leslie Wolf. Same spelling. It so, is. Oh. Right? Both. It's y. the E-Y. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think maybe to like have a class in Hollywood, that's how you have to spell your name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe do you want to talk about like why you ended up signing up for that? Because I know you kind of already have a comedy background. Yeah. I mean, Leslie and I have known each other for a minute. Um, and I think COVID had just hit. So she was like, you know, you'll spice it up. It'll be fun. And everyone was great. It's amazing how Zoom is actually, it's not so bad for comedy, right? I thought our class was good. I mean, she also forced us to go off of mute to laugh, which I appreciated. <laughs> and she's like the extra laugher that's like, even if I have like a dud joke, she'd be like, ha 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 ha. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm making it. <laughs> She's awesome. She's a great, yeah, we should plug her. She's just great for um, kind of seeing yourself clearly. I think it's always good to do a check-in like that where you're you're seeing how you're being perceived too because I think that's, like, I think it's just a process, right? Like seeing how you're coming across, how you're presenting to the world. Well, yeah, I think we wanted to get into that a little bit because kind of some of your comedy centered around like a little bit around like gender identity and things like that. So do you want to kind of like talk about your journey with that a little bit and like when you kind of started to question or feel a little bit different? I'd love to. Yeah. I would say like, you know, even as a kid, there was a little bit of, I, I think because being a girl, you're kind of like, or being, you know, an, anatom an uh, anatomically a chick, um, toxic, a woman, a female, um, that you're almost told a little how to be and be less. Like I remember, I think as like a, like at age five or six being at my parents friend's house and I think I was just like watching tv upstairs and like I'm sure my legs were just like out whatever and like my mom was like sit like a nice lady like a nice little girl like that whole this it's so great that we have the language for it now about taking up space because I think I just accidentally took up a lot of space growing up and I think the socialization process kind of was beating it out of me mm -hmm. um that sounds really depressing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a lot of, and then even at times like in middle school and high school, I think I wanted to be like the hero for women. I, like in today's language, it would be like, maybe I was a simp, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Cause I would like, especially if a girl were like a little shorter than me and if she had any kind of distress, like I remember like fighting to the death to like prove to a teacher that uh, this cute little girl's like, uh, Easter pencil, you know, those like little, like the tips, you could like push them up and whatever, and like switch the tips. She like lost it. We knew someone had stolen it. And I like became her lawyer to like rescue her. <laughs> and we like solved the crime and got the pencil back to her. And I just, I remember that feeling of like wanting to be girls heroes, but I didn't like put language on it. Cause I don't think we really had it at the time, you know? Yeah. And then in, I guess, in middle school, high school, you know, yeah, there was some, like, chemistry. And um, 
and then like I had like a sprout of like facial hair like like a, just like a random intense whatever and I but I kind of liked it like I didn't want to get rid of it my parents would like trick me into getting to the laser place they would like drop me at the laser place and just like leave me there for hours so there I am with like a little power beard situation going on and I did have a friend I won't say her name but she was like a really cute blonde very developed for like ninth grade whatever um and we definitely like it, it was just crazy that there was so much attraction and like but we I, I really it was like broke back mountain like where like if we did anything at all uh, always above waist because I've just mm-hmm. perpetually been some sort of germaphobe or something um or just intimacy issues I guess but like whatever we would do like the next day if she tried to bring it up I'd be like that was a dream forget it that didn't happen I would just like turn around and like look look away and like shut it down and actually I feel like I owe her like an amends because I look back and it was like not appropriate the way I treated her and then I guess in college I just kind of you know you want to kind of like fit in like like I you know guys would hit on me and I I didn't I don't mind dick I like dick I'd, I'd much prefer I had my own <laughs> but like also like women I don't know maybe I was too much for women like I I was remembering this now that I'm visiting home I'm sure when you guys visit home too you're like you remember things like yeah oh, such right and you're like whoa mm-hmm. wounds open um but like I had this um history teacher she had a I'll just tell you her name was Dr. Khan so like because it's all me like I like thought she was the coolest we both like liked LBJ more than JFK we thought like John <laughs> F. Kennedy was kind of overrated because of his hair and um, LBJ actually like passed a lot of good policy. So she was like my academic crush. And like, like it was like straight up, I was kind of stalking her. Like, and my family was weirdly supportive of it. Like nobody ever said like, whoa, what are you gay? Like nobody really said that. But after dinner sometimes, like she, we, I knew she lived nearby. So I'd be like, can we pass by Dr. Khan's house? And we would all as a family drive past like my straight up, mm-hmm. And I don't even know, like, basically, like, very conventional-looking masculine lesbian. And have you, like, ever thought about, like, making a full transition? Or, like, what are your thoughts on that? There was a time when I kind of wanted to, you know? But I think, like, there were a number of reasons not to. Well, A, you know, I'm, like, Mm 5'5". And uh, actually, my mom, like, whenever I would, like, because I would, like, open up to my mom about things, and I'd be like, I don't know, like, I, like, I cried to her when I first, like, went like you know whatever if and my the girl that I whatever I won't say her name but I'll just tell you her first name her first name was Angela and so I was like mom I like sucked on Angela's boobs or whatever I was like crying and ashamed and she blamed it on America um <laughs> she said like exactly. yeah she like said it like sex is in the air and whatever and like that billboards everything's oversexed and um so I had all this angst and I like didn't know what to do with it and then when I, st- I like, but one of the things she would say, she's like, but you have such like, you're small boned. That was like her thing with me. She's like, but you're so delicate. And like, as a kid, you would like dress, you look nice in a dress is what she would say. And so I think I had this like mix of like knowing, and maybe this is like low self-esteem on my end, but like the fear that if I transitioned, I would just like look like Mowgli from Jungle Book. You know what I'm talking about? That little boy that dances with the bear. Yeah. <laughs> 
how much money do you pour in? Mm. And then you're never, you know, am I going to be a fucking Hemsworth that like gets like the kind of chicks that I want? No. <laughs> so like, and maybe it's a little defeatist, but I decided instead to like, yes, and my hardware. Cause I, I do believe, I think the biggest problem with the discourse right now, like if we were to say like left and right, like the beef that the right has with the left, just a social construct and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, dude, there is hardware. Like I have eggs and a uterus and it doesn't matter how many strap-ons I wear or like, even if I like pay the money for like whatever kind of like, I don't know. I think it's like um, something with the, I forget the technology, but like there's a lot of technology with like the hydraulic thing that you can like have a synthetic dick, but like, what am I gonna, am I gonna get a hysterectomy? Am I gonna get rid of my eggs? Like it's a lot of hardware that we have to deal with still. And I do, I will admit, there was a time where I had a lot of angst about how female to male is a hard, to me, it feels like a harder, to me, it feels like a harder transition. And I actually remember meeting someone in an Uber, um, back when Uber pool was a thing, (laughs) pre-COVID. And I remember it was like some therapist or some guy, but he like had a lot of experience working with that community, with the trans community. And he would say, he's like, you know, male trans man they're like lost souls a lot of times because it's i just think technology hasn't caught up it's like driverless cars it's still like uh, in the beta phase so i do think look and I, I one of my best friends is a female trans and there are times like we were on a trip she she's an amazing person i mean she's hilarious she's very uh talented and also makes a lot of money at her job and like is just like crushing it um there was a time where we had a misunderstanding. We were on a trip in Big Bear not long ago. And because she would kind of encourage me to take testosterone, she'd be like, try it. And I'm like, I already have anger issues. Like, I don't know that testosterone is like the answer for me. And um, and then I and then I pointed at my eggs. I was like, plus I would still have this to deal with. So I pointed in the general and she thought I was talking about my FUPA, which was worse because I was PMSing guys. And um, I was bloated, you know, we get bloated. Trust and, me, I know. <laughs> yeah, so like, I definitely, I got pretty pissed. I was, I, A, I was PMSing and it was like, okay, th- these eggs, like I'm not JK Rowling. I don't, I don't agree with her, but I get that there's this last bit of like this burden that is the female anatomy mm-hmm. that just, we experience death through our bodies every month. The potential for life goes through our bodies and it's kind of heavy. Like it is, it's like this gravity of like a sand through an hourglass every month until boom, it stops. So this like, even when you choose not to engage in like the cycle of life of bringing forth birth, you're just kind of against your will, part of that cycle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know that there there's a lot of controversy about like when should and there was a book about it. I think Joe Rogan had the the person on. I don't know where you guys stand on Rogan. Yeah, he's fine. I think he's not a personality trait, but it, I feel like a lot of guys like to be like I like Joe Rogan as like their whole personality. But. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. Yeah, I mean, look, I think sometimes he has people on that I think I think it's nice to hear. I mean, there are people that get silenced, I think, like in the bubbles, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm in a writer's room right now where I feel like there are certain um, groups of people that are kind of like dismissed as selfish, like libertarians, selfish. It's like, well, maybe we should hear them out. Right. Um, 
but Joe Rogan had someone on who, I think her name is Abby. I'd have to find her last name, but she wrote a book about how there's kind of this trend going on, especially like in private schools in New York and LA, where the same kinds of girls that would maybe historically feel like they don't fit in and like become cutters, like they just hate the body they're in, um, are feeling like they're trans. And they go, and you can get, I think um, you can get T, testosterone at Planned Parenthood without Mm -hmm. parental consent. So, you know, there's something to be said for like choices that you make at like 18 that could possibly stop you, like like maybe spur infertility for the rest of your life. Like that is kind of like something to be explored and discussed. Who's to say? Like, I do think that there's like, like, to me, angst is like a part of the human existence of like, you don't get me, right? And it's like, okay, so what? I could buzz my hair, you know, chop off my tits and buy that fake dick and pour all this money in. But what if there's still this like, I, I do think that's kind of part of life is that there's a barrier to like how we perceive each other or how we feel inside. So to me, the reason that I made, it was like years and years of, yeah, like angst and I, pegging a beautiful delightful human man for a long time i would use gloves um because i'm a classy lady uh, <laughs> but like uh you know it de- for years it w- it brought me a lot of joy just like i think i just needed to feel this like conquest vibe mm-hmm, and actually yeah. get to use the strap on on a woman like i i guess it's the commitment issues like you know i had like, i was like dating this girl and like we went to the beach and we were finally gonna like have the night like I bought one just for her because I don't like to like I think it's gross to use the same one for anybody yeah like you want to make her feel special you got a new one yeah (laughs) yeah brand new one and then um I don't know what happened it's like her skin wasn't soft enough I don't know what happened I don't know what happened in the moment maybe it was just like maybe maybe performance anxiety but also the beach is one of those places what do you guys think like it's one of those places in theory it'd be a great place to make love, but like it's kind of cold. Well, too many variables, like the sand and yeah, like, sand always was my thing. That would like, yeah. yeah, it's too. I don't like being like sandy and like I don't even like that when I'm like swimming and having sand everywhere. But um, I wanted to go back to what you said about um, like kind of when you're younger and like especially I feel like there's such a shift from our parents generation to our generation of like what's being accepted which is kind of crazy to think about because it wasn't that long ago right but I was literally thinking to myself and I did this whole TikTok about it and then I get anxiety about posting the TikToks because I'm like I'm revealing too much about my life and also the kids are going to make fun of me but (laughs) I I know they are like they'll be mean um but I grew up like in a Catholic household and I remember one night we were doing like Stations of the Cross which is like this really long like tedious like stand up kneel down stand up kneel down type thing and it was in the evening and then afterwards like my brother like he was the altar server for the mass and he like wasn't coming out like he because we you get your robes like behind the altar or whatever and the priests are back there and stuff so he wasn't coming out for forever. And like, he finally came out and my mom, like probably knowing her, she was like, where the hell were you? Like in the middle of church. Um, and then he told us on the way home that the priest like had him practice kneeling in front of him, him and the other boy, like practice like they're kneeling. 
And to like think back on the Catholic church now, I'm sure my mom probably was like, well, that's fucking weird. And like, was just like, (laughs) but like thinking back to it now, it's like, there might've been something more to that. So that was funny when you were saying that about like your teacher and they were like, yeah, we'll go see if Mrs. So-and-so is home or whatever, but it was just kind of like a larger thing. But That's funny, Chloe, that you say that because when she was talking about this, I was having the thought about like, so I went to a Quaker school that I've talked about before. It's like super liberal. Um, Like many, many, many of my teachers were gay. And, um, but one thing, so you have meeting for worship like every Wednesday and everybody just sits in silence, right? And like, you only speak if you feel like you really have something to say or like if the spirit has come to you. And like, it happened pretty frequently that people would say like, I'm trans or like people would always like come out all the time. And like, I remember one specific time, somebody like was telling us that they were like, um, you know, making the switch. And this girl just like in the middle of like dead silence while this girl is talking goes, um, oh shit, um, in front of the whole school. And then it was like a whole discussion on, um, they're a guy now so what bathroom they were going to use and like which soft like they were on the softball team so are they going to play on the baseball team like there were so many like unknowns at the time like on how the people who were transitioning were now going to like function in the school and I remember because they had a girlfriend and like they would be in the bathroom like together what was interesting about the whole thing was that like now when I think about all of the like questioning on how the school was going to handle it like they probably have protocols for this now because like it was it like if it was happening when I was a kid then it's definitely happening like way more now so now there's probably like systems they have in place like okay this is going to be the bathroom this is going to be like they probably have the whole thing planned out now Mm -hmm. wow it's so cool how we're evolving I mean I I do think it's like yeah they're why do, where do you guys stand on it all? Like, as far as, especially bathrooms, like, that's such an interesting hot button issue. It's such a hot topic. Yeah, the bathroom thing is so stupid. Like, I don't know why they were ever segregated in the first place, like, about any reason. Like, you are just going to the bathroom. I don't know why people feel, like, uncomfortable with that. Like, first of all, I, I get pissed when I can't go pee in the male's restroom. And, like, the female restroom has the, you know, huge line out the door. Like, I've seen girls get kicked out of bars for trying to go pee in the men's restroom. Like, people are way too serious about that whole thing. The one thing I will say was that I was pissed that he couldn't play on my softball team anymore because they were phenomenal at playing softball, and we really needed them. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, if people are touchy about it, I guess, like, once kids are involved, like, in my fake world, I would love a non-binary. Like, if we could just all be like purple eunuchs like I'm sick of all identity discussions it's like I get that it has to happen but it's like when will we all move past it and like see each other as just humans right yeah I guess I get the whole separating of the bathroom things when it comes like I can't imagine like a female who has experienced like sexual assault going in and like not feeling comfortable using the bathroom and maybe that's you know part of the reason they were separated to begin with I'm not really sure but there should be an option too I always sneak into the men's bathroom if there's a long line and I've gotten yelled at before and I'm just like, shut up, buddy. I really had to pee. Like, <laughs> I would I really like more pee. like wordage for it though. Like it just feels yeah. like the she and the he thing. Like it's, first of all, it's like difficult in trying to switch your vocabulary. Like 
for me, transitioning from like Latino to Latina to Latinx has been really easy because it's like one thing for everything, you know? Like, I feel like it would be easier if we could all just like adapt to like Zay or like something like that. Or if we were all just it. Like we just Yeah, or it and they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was kind of going to ask you, Sarah, like on the day to day, like if you do kind of feel comfortable in this female body, but then like to ask you that when I don't even feel comfortable in my body some days, it's like, I don't know, it feels like a little counterintuitive. Like I'm on my period now and I feel like shit and I <laughs> wish I wasn't in this body at all. Because <laughs> I feel like a like a 360 trans in a way, like I, cause I do a lot of BS stuff, especially like back when pre COVID, like, yeah, like get a blowout so that like, like a baby boomer man is more likely to hire me, even though it feels, all of it feels fake to me. Right. Like I do sometimes like I'll get nails and lashes and all this shit that like, is it me, but I'll just do it as like armor for the world. Cause I know that the world is kinder to someone that's like moderately attractive. I used to not even look in the mirror. It was actually a big point of conflict with like my father and me. Cause I just didn't think to look in the mirror. I was like, I was consumed by a million things. I don't know. I'd like to think it was because I was a creative individual. Um, but you know, I finally, I kind of realized what he was saying. Like he would kind of lecture me and be like, there's a poverty line and you dress like you were below it. What's this pep talk? But like, and the people's brains are in their eyes. Um, but as far as like male desire, I do feel, even though I like dick, I'm whispering, I like dick as a concept a lot. But I don't love male desire. Like when a man like wants to like, like that, I feel like I'm like, the Texan in me is like, hey, like, like it's almost like a Chet. Like if you could see me as like a dude named Chet, they would be like, "Whoa, dude, whoa." So it is complicated. I mean, I, I would. I think I lean more toward. I don't know if it's socialization or internalized misogyny or chemistry, but I think that even though I'm pretty bisexual, I would rather settle down with a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there is that last bit of like, yeah, I don't love. Like when a guy put like tries to treat you like his little girl or his little princess, I feel emasculated. All right, yes, let's get into this letter. So it says, Dear Damsels, throughout my life I've been the shy, quiet type and mostly a follower. I have friends who I love dearly, and they are the quintessential, very feminine, heterosexual group. Never been quite honest with them that I have questioned my gender identity since I was young. They have often made jokes about me being a tomboy, but I don't think they ever questioned whether it went deeper than that. I know society is making leaps and bounds in terms of accepting that gender identity is a spectrum, but why does it still feel so hard to have these conversations with my friends and family? I feel afraid of losing them when I could continue in this limbo state. How do I have these conversations with my loved ones? Sincerely living in limbo. Love that. Love that. Um, I mean, if I may, just, I I did a lot of homework. No, I thought about it a lot because I feel like the main, like, you know, you think like, yeah, just let your freak flag fly. If they don't accept you, cut them out. But I get that it's more complicated than that. And um, depending on where this person grew up and, and their experiences, like personally, I did convey my um, confusion at like a very chaotic, I would say like early 20s, like right after college was probably when I was the most like confused, but aggressively figuring it out. And I feel like I made the mistake of, spewing that confusion and chaos onto like an aunt that I loved and respected 
um, at a time where she just, she didn't have the capacity. She didn't have the language. She didn't have the understanding. And it just completely, just, I, I don't want to say destroyed. The, I, if anything, she still reaches out to me and is very kind and like tries. But in the moment, like when she was like overwhelmed and was like, you should go to therapy. I was like, I, like I've, I've kind of hated her since. Um, <laughs> because I think that there is something to be said for finding that community, especially these days with like technology, message boards. There, we just are so blessed with the internet. I think finding your tribe, even if it's not the same tribe as like your loved ones and the people you grew up with, sometimes finding that tribe that truly understands and can have real empathy is crucial for that self-understanding. And then once you're ready, say you're integrating something into your life and it's really important to you, I think get clear on how it's going to affect your life and the relationship before you just bring it onto the table as this litmus test of like, do you care about me? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, cause you were saying like you were talking to your aunt about it. And I think oftentimes, and I do that, I'm so guilty of doing this too. It's like when I'm not letting these things out, like it just like comes out at the wrong time to the wrong person. Did you feel like it was like a little bit of that? Like you were like holding it in and then finally you were like, okay, this person's here. I'm just going to like emote onto them or like, what was that like? Yeah. Or even like grasping at straws of like wanting, wanting empathy from someone that just didn't have they just didn't have the tools. Like they don't have mm-hmm. it. For, you have to meet people where they're at. I think. And then we oftentimes like when people fall short of what we hope and expect of them, it's hard not to resent them. So I think it's better to really get clear and, and find other people that can, like, I don't think, every, uh, I don't think any one group of people can be everything to, to you mm-hmm. and, and serve all your needs. So I think sometimes it's okay to have compartments until you're ready to integrate. I think ideally we're all like integrated and able to be our a hundred percent authentic selves in every interaction. But I think the way the world is right now, it's still a little fragmented and I hope that, I mean, yeah, I think getting clear before you talk to these people that maybe you might, it might be their intuition, this person like knowing that it wouldn't be received well. Mm. And I'm curious, did you have places that you went to like find your tribe, so to speak? Like, would there be places that you'd recommend this person looking um, to find like people that they can relate to? Uh, I would say like the LGBTQ community. Yeah, that. And then also actually years ago on a podcast is where I met my um, trans friend who uh, really has been like a mentor for me of like, and other people that I've collaborated with, I mean, I think that's what one of the blessings of like the entertainment world is that we, people from all walks of life. And um, one of my favorite people, actually, her name's Remy Casimir. She has a great podcast called How Come. We just had we her interviewed her yesterday. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Yeah, yeah we love how her. How funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. She's actually really helped me like come to grips with how I haven't always, like I've kind of been in limbo. Mm-hmm. And like, I, cause I do have like, kind of part of my community is like Orthodox Jews in LA. So like, that's like a group of people that like, I don't expect them to ever understand any of it. You know, and she kind of like holds space for my like alter ego, whose name is Mendy. <laughs> and sometimes I'll like wear a wig or like do a fake um, beard and stuff. And she really encourages it. So I think like really making sure that we latch on to these people and to have compassion for these other people that maybe we grew up with who 
might not be evolving at the same rapid pace as the rest of us. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, it's like funny when you were saying that your aunt was like, you need to get therapy or whatever, because I don't know, I like, I think a curse of mine is I ask so many people for advice. Like even when I know like probably what their advice is going to be and it's not going to make me feel good. And then I just feel shitty afterwards. But I remember like, I think it's funny, like you're kind of talking about your aunt and like these different generations. Cause I was talking to my parents once when I broke up with my ex about how like I could literally not stop stalking his social media. Like it was weird. It was creepy. He barely even posts, but I was like on everything. I was like, and I was trying to explain it to them. I was like, I just have to check it. Like I have to look at it, pull off the bandaid and then I'm done. And like coming from a generation that just didn't have social media, they just could not, they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like they just couldn't fathom it. And my mom said those exact words, like, when are you seeing your therapist again? (laughs) Like, it's just interesting, like different generations and like what they're used to. And like, just some of our problems just aren't going to translate to them. You know what I mean? And regional issues too. Like, I think that if this person, it sounds like they're maybe from the Midwest or the South, but I could be completely generalizing. But like, I feel like this would not be as much of an issue in like a coastal city, mm-hmm. you know, New York, LA, San Francisco. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the kids I grew up with are like now like saddled. I'm, not, I'm clearly like negative about uh, children. So far, I'm like, oh, they have a family. Yuck. <laughs> but like, it's so cultural. <laughs> I wanted to hear more about like what it was like talking about this with your parents and like how they are now about it and like the whole the whole shebang with your parents because I mean obviously this person's about to have difficult conversations so I feel like hearing about your experience about that would be helpful I mean proceed with caution unfortunately at least in my experience because it's like one minute they seem like I, I did get this like guy wig and I was really excited because I was doing some, I don't remember what it was. It was some Jewy thing. It was like after um, the BLM movement was really like growing. And so um, this friend of mine named Kosha Dills, Jewish rapper, he asked me to come help with these sketches or something. And I got really excited. I wanted to dress like a rabbi. So I like, I got a male wig. I was, it was actually the last time I was visiting here, like months ago, like right around the summer. So I got a guy wig. And my parents seem like really like on board. They're like, it's so cute, actually. It looks cute on you. So I was like getting excited and like brought something up later about like, like non-binary. And my dad was like, that's enough with it. Like, I feel like it's like, they'll like tolerate it. Like, I think it's like, be wary of people that are like tolerant, but not like embracing and kind of like, again, not everyone can be everything to you is unfortunately... Mm-hmm my that's my uh I like figure out where where your parents are at and I would just not shove things down their throat unless say say you're like madly in love with someone and like it's important to them that's a whole different and maybe maybe some sort of like family therapy could be good for that for opening up the lines of communication and labeling things and and normalizing right it all boils down I think you were talking about like making things mainstream like normalizing things the power of tv culture and language like it's crucial and did you feel like because i um are both of your parents persian mm-hmm. did you feel like with that i mean i just i have my one my best friend is persian and she says like her mom is kind of almost like every day at this point like when are you getting married and always like kind of trying to shove that down her throat like did you did you feel kind of like those same pressures with that or like what was that like well fortunately i feel like i like i mean look between the stalking and lesbian and 
having my waist up adventures and all that. Like, I think, you know, I mean, there is one, actually one college boyfriend who looked like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell, who's still like, still trying. And he like has worked at a bank for like a decade and like is the biggest saver. So there's a little bit of like, oh, he's still after you. Like, there's a little bit of it, but I feel like I came out of the gates fucking weird. So like they're, no, they're okay. They're okay on that front. Thank God. <laughs> like, do your parents take in your like career at all? Like, do they have any thoughts on what you're putting into the world regarding everything? I do think there's like, see, I would say I probably hold back a little. Like, I've talked about a ghost dick. I don't know if that's on Spotify. Like, the good thing is I kind of um, bank on them not being so technologically like they're great but like they're not like listening to podcasts and like subscribing yeah or like yeah I don't think like on spot like they don't have Spotify on their phones thank god because I think I have some comedy special on there or like on Pluto like it's definitely a process like I think that I'd like to think if I were a little more like like look at like like I helped punch up some stuff for Chelsea Handler and it's like she is not concerned about anyone in her family what they think like you know she never was like she put out if you guys recall I didn't really know this but like she passed around a tape with like a sex tape in between her comedy set as like a joke but it was a real sex tape so I feel like if anything we need to shed all like have you heard this quote it's like to make great art you have to pretend like everyone you love is dead (laughs) (laughs) I like that though I mean yeah yeah so I feel that with, like I just said, like literally like even putting out a TikTok for like my two followers, <laughs> like I'm still just like, is this too much? Like, is this oversharing? And yeah, I don't know. My dad just learned how to use Facebook, obviously not very well. So he's out there on Facebook, but I'm about to delete my Facebook anyway. She's been saying that for months though. When you took the comedy class, cause we talked a little bit about like how people see you at like versus how you want to be seen and all of that sort of thing. Like, did it get to you at all? like what people were saying to you like as stereotypes or about like how you come off no no not at all actually everyone well that especially leslie's class is like i think i think at the time like look we were talking she and i were talking and she asked if i would do it as like just to keep it lively and whatever like so i came in as like kind of like a i don't know i'd like to say a ta ish but not okay TA, yeah. but like a, but everyone was really encouraging and nice and i feel like um no, everyone was really encouraging. Yeah, I don't think anyone. Sorry, is that like the not exciting answer? I'll I'll put some tea into that. I do feel like there was one girl, and she only came to the first session, and I don't remember her name because I felt like she in the first class like really went through and ripped into people. Really, but then like she never came back. She didn't come back the second class. Yeah, was she hard on both of us, or what happened? I forget what she said. But she said something to me that didn't sit right. But whatever. You could tell me that, like, I don't know. I look tired today. And I'd be like, they were being mean to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember. She just said something that, like, was, like, a harsher criticism to everyone, like, than, like, the rest of the people. Like, I feel like her thing was, like, I'm going to, like, criticize you. Even though, like, I don't even remember what her little shtick was. But, yeah. (laughs) You had to just be a a C-U-N-T, right? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Leslie kicked her out. I don't know. But um, no, everyone was really great in that class. And it was like nice too. I remember that was, remember that was like in the beginning of quarantine when we all had like hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it was okay to drink more because we were like, well, it's only for a little bit. So we can like drink and like happy hour can start right at five. 
But then when we realized it was like going to keep going, it was like, okay, well, this is not a sustainable lifestyle. Like, I remember like my early jokes were all about like how much I, like I was drinking and like watching porn. And Leslie's like, well, we don't want to like put you in the sex comic category. Maybe like more jokes about other things. I was like, I'm not doing anything else now. So, <laughs> well, Sarah, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah. Instagram, it's um, S and my last name is my handle. Is that like, should I change it? <laughs> I didn't like, think about changing my name. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.